Today is Thursday, July 7th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Red flag laws failed in the case of the Highland Park shooting. And now we know why. We'll have the details on that and more on today's Quick Start podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help by subscribing to this podcast. Give us a rating, share it with a friend, all that good stuff. Help us get through the news of the Cray together. And uh, with me, as always, getting through the news of the Cray, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's FaithWire.com. Happy Friday, Junior, guys. What's going on? We're almost there. We've almost made it. Almost. <laughs> right? We're so close. And I love that we have uh, we have people who listen to the pod who have already started saying Friday, Junior for yeah. Thursday. That's great. This seems like a merchandise opportunity, merchandise <laughs> line, get a Friday, Junior t-shirt right. to wear on Thursdays. It'll be fantastic. Looking forward to your stories, guys. Marvel's latest movie. Who can keep track of them at the point? This point, there's like 800 of them. Apparently, there is a lot of activism. We'll say in that we're gonna dive into that. Plus, a hundred-year-old veteran talks about the state of the country. We'll hear his words of wisdom coming up. And on the main thing today, the Supreme Court ruling that curbed the EPA's power to regulate carbon emissions. Climate activists are disappointed, but they're planning to hit back. We'll dive into what's ahead on that front but first look at what's cooking over on cbnnews.com we've got some crazy weather on the way extremely hot temps across the country for the remainder of the weeks keep an eye on the most vulnerable in your circles also uk prime minister boris johnson has stepped down he has resigned after initially saying he wouldn't a big life issue also developing in the uk a 12 year old archie battersby was wrongly determined to be dead so we got that coverage there also rep adam kinzinger tells cbn news Uh, that we have a heart problem in this country. And he said, quote, I guess when you turn away from values, turn away from God, this is what happens. You can check out those stories and more on CBNnews.com. But we're going to start here with the very latest on the Highland Park shooting. We've got new information. The mass shooter, he has admitted now to investigators that he fired into the crowd and the death toll went up to seven. It was at six. Another victim passed away at the hospital yesterday. But the big question everyone is asking today is how did this 21-year-old get the gun in the first place? There was a known history with police going back to as recently as 2019. Family members reported him threatening himself, also threatening to, quote, kill everyone. He was on the police radar. So how did he manage to get his hands on a gun? Well, it comes down to his dad. That's the answer. The father of this gunman sponsored the son's firearm owner's identification card. That's the FOID. The police, their response on that, they said the subject was under 21 and the application was sponsored by the subject's father. Therefore, at the time of the FOID application review in January of 2020, there was insufficient basis to establish a clear and present danger and deny the FOID application. So that is how people were wondering how these red flag laws failed. And Billy, this is one of those things that people point out with some of this gun control legislation. I know we've talked about it, but it seems like there's always some scenario where they're going to find a way around it. Well, yeah, I mean, when when your first response is we need more laws, you kind of have to take a step back and say, okay, whether or not that's true, what do we have on the books now? And are these laws working? I mean, here's the deal. I don't know every detail of this case. I think we're all still learning it. But even if a parent is, you know, co-sponsoring or doing whatever they need to do, if there's something in the background, I think the big question is, why aren't all of these agencies able to communicate in a way where they would know that and they would say, well, we're still going to deny this because this is in this person's background. So clearly whatever is on the books now 
is not either being enforced or it's or it's not working it seems yeah yeah i think more often than not that ends up being the case is is that lies laws aren't being adequately enforced or even maybe there's some ignorance about what the laws already are um, which all of that is only muddied when when we have these incidents these tragedies and then we jump uh, to create all of these new laws that may or may not actually end up being effective I, you know i think we need to go back and see okay what laws are already there and how did we maybe poorly apply them or not apply them at all instead of uh, leaning on emotion which i think is so often the case with you know just our, our human nature uh, to jump to put something in place some sort of law in place uh, and more often than not they end up being kind of unsuccessful there's room to give in both directions but uh, you know I, I don't think jumping the gun because of our emotions is is always ultimately effective. Yeah. And it does seem like a lot of times I, I think you can get a lot of people to agree in general that, hey, if we can put some rules in place that will actually, you know, stop some of these shootings, prevent people who shouldn't have guns from from getting these guns in the first place. But uh, I think the pushback comes be, because a lot of times these laws end up putting uh, undue burden on law abiding gun owners who do not pose a risk to greater society. And then they somehow still find a way around these loopholes like that. Um, but we will keep you posted on CBNnews.com as more information comes in on this because I mean, this issue is just going to keep happening as far as the discussion on gun control. It is going to keep going. And so we will we will have you covered there on uh, CBNnews.com. But uh, we're seeing some big changes in the countries, guys. And not everyone thinks a lot of those changes are a good thing, uh, including one outspoken world war uh, war veteran from uh, uh i think world war ii and uh billy what did he have to say yeah this is carl sperlin deckel he's a u.s marine vet he celebrated his 100th birthday which is just incredible on june 29th and obviously he was interviewed because not only did he turn 100 he's a world war ii veteran um he's a hero and he talked about a lot of different things in this local news interview he talked about how god brought him home safely he talked about being active in his church um and he was very positive until he got to this point of really talking about where the country is today. Um, he, you know, before we even go there, he talked about how it was his honor to serve the country, how he would do it again. If he were the same age and this war were to happen again, he would have gone and done what he did. Uh, but he started to talk about culture and he didn't go into very specific issues, uh, but here's what he did talk about. He talked about um, gratitude, being grateful for what we have. And he said, quote, nowadays I'm so upset at the things we did and the things we fought for and the boys that died for it. It's all gone down the drain. Our country's gone to you know where in a handbasket. We haven't got the country we had when I was raised. Not at all. Nobody will have the fun I had. Nobody will have the opportunity I had. It's just not the same and it's not what our boys, not what they died for. And as he's saying this in his interview, this isn't just some angry and he starts breaking down and crying and somebody has to almost come in and sort of console him and he collects himself and he says I'll be okay I'll be okay but but his point was that people are always complaining they're not grateful for what we have and he just can't believe the things that are happening um, in this country but he did say he's just going to keep on keeping on he doesn't feel 100 even though he is 100 so a lot of positive but I think some sobering when you hear somebody say that somebody who fought in World War yeah. II watched people die it, it it makes you think. Yeah, it really has to hit you different, uh, Trey. When you see, when you know your blood, your friend's blood, you saw people die. Uh, he was one of the fortunate ones who 
was able to return. But when you see that firsthand, and then all these years later, maybe see he, you know, I didn't, we didn't get exactly the specifics of the things that he's frustrated about, but all this division and the frustration at America, probably some of it. And uh, you can imagine just having seen what he saw. Yeah, you know, I think um, it's it's easy when we live in in such a, a blessed time uh, as Americans. We have so much opportunity, and we have have been so privileged in what we have available to us. It doesn't mean that there aren't instances uh, of discrimination, or that there isn't, of course, wrongdoing and evil. We've seen these shootings over the last couple of months. There still is obviously a great deal of evil in this world because uh, it's a fallen and broken world. But I think, unfortunately, because of the general blessing, and I know, like I said, I'm generalizing, but because of that, we kind of nitpick and we get into fights over things that don't really matter. We complain about things that are not really uh, that that big of a deal. Uh, and we end up really just kind of destroying ourselves from within uh, because we have just taken advantage of the blessing that we've had for so long. We just assume it'll always be there. Uh, so mm-hmm. we don't have to work at it, to work at, at keeping it and preserving it. Uh, you know, so I think this, this message from this veteran is a good reminder that we have something great, uh, but we've all got to work together to to keep it and to protect it. Yeah, I, that is, it's true because I, the, we live in a time where the threat of America just not really existing, you know, changing. Yes, but just going away. I mean, nobody knew you didn't know what was going to happen after World War Two or during World War Two. So that, that certainly was not uh, a given. And so to, to now we we kind of get to bask in that peace and security and comfort of knowing like hey this this country is you know stable in the in the fact that it's not going to get toppled by some other country so um yeah really incredible um to hear the words in that perspective from a veteran such as that and uh i mean hey i'd want to get his two cents on this next story trey but uh i don't i don't know how that, that would be interesting but you know marvel's out with about their eight thousandth movie i can't keep track of them i like them but i can't keep track of them all but uh, Natalie Portman kind of dished a little bit on some of the activism we might be seeing. And given the performance that some other movies have had that have dived into this, uh, it, could be, it could be an interesting one to watch how it does. Yeah, you know, it's frustrating as a, as a Marvel fan or even kind of a Disney fan, anytime with any movie, it doesn't matter what the brand is, to see them kind of diving into activism because it so often feels forced yeah. uh, and, and ends up kind of distracting from the story. So that that goes right into to what we're talking about here. So uh, this weekend, the Disney-owned uh, MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, is slated to release its newest film, uh, its 8,000th film, like you said, uh, Dan, <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder, which is the fourth Thor movie. Uh, so there, there have been a lot. Uh, but according to two of the stars in the movie, it's filled with LGBT storylines. Uh, so Natalie Portman, uh, she plays Jane Foster in the movie. She said the movie is, quote, so gay after being asked about it by reporters at a London event. And her co-star in the film's director, Taika Waititi, uh, who voices Korg, interjected kind of jokingly and said that the movie is, quote, super gay. Uh, so Waititi's character is reportedly confirmed to be part of the LGBT community. Uh, during the movie, Korg alludes to his parents' alleged same-sex you know, relationship, uh, describing the way he was, quote, conceived uh, by two males holding hands of molten lava. And even Dan, which is focused on the family's outlet, they did note that it's possible that that species doesn't even have females, so that might make some sense of it. But either way, uh, Disney is, is kind of leaning into the, the same-sex thing. 
here with that. Uh, the movie also shows another supporting character, Valk, uh, who's played by Tessa Thompson, coming out as part of the LGB community. Uh, so it certainly is part of a push uh, in this new movie, like it and with several others. And this, of course, comes after Disney ex- uh, forecasted exactly this coming, that there were going to be more and more LGBT uh, agendas uh, in films, like uh, the movie that, that just came out, a, a Toy Story spinoff, uh, geared toward kids, uh, includes a same-sex kiss between two uh, women. That movie didn't perform well for a number of reasons uh, at the box, but that's widely believed to be one of the reasons, uh, among other things. So, so uh, after all, uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek did say April uh, that he wanted to be a, quote, better ally uh, to the LGBT community. And Carrie Burke, the president of General Entertainment for Disney, uh, said she wanted to see many LGBTQIA characters in Disney films and shows. So we all kind of saw this coming. Uh, and polling shows that Disney has already taken a, a favorability hit uh, from from 2021 to, to this year, presumably, at least in part, because of their commitment to this leftist ideology. We don't know if the tie is, is you know, we're not convinced that that is the sole tie, but that certainly seems to be, uh, seems to be one of them. So we'll see long term what kind of impact this has on Disney. But the early polling suggests that it might not be so good. Well, yeah. And regardless of what the activism is, like you said, it does a lot of times feel forced. But I think you know, as Christians, parents, and you know, a lot of people watch Marvel, and uh, maybe it's time that we're gonna have to start because most of it was just kind of space age type fun. You know, that none of this stuff was in there, at least not a lot of it in the previous ones, at least in the Thor ones. And so now, I think parents might have to start reconsidering that. You know, it is really interesting when you look at things sociologically and culturally and you look at the critiques that that a lot of Christians have been hit with over the years. Your faith is in everything. You have to find a way to insert your faith and push it on us. It's really fascinating to sort of watch from just a factual basis how the same strategy that was accused of Christians is actually being integrated and used in much of media and Hollywood to drive home an evangelistic point on the other side on these issues, right? Uh, Because really at the end of the day, this should be these should be things that rally families around and people around. And I get there's a debate about representation and all of that. But the point is, you don't really need to do this. These are choices that you make. And, you know, to Disney's credit, I mean, I, don't, I know they didn't want all those videos out. Some of those videos leaked out. They are doing what they said they were going to do. So this is not entirely shocking. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it probably. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see a full test of the whole, because uh, a lot of conservatives champion the phrase, you know, go woke, go broke after a light year sort of did not meet expectations by a long shot. So we'll see. We'll see. Because they're putting it in the face of Americans right now with the comments from Natalie Portman and elsewhere. So uh, certainly, certainly something to watch on that front. On to the main thing today, the Supreme Court ruling that curbed the EPA's power to regulate carbon emissions. That one did not get as much attention as some of the other uh, big rulings. Obviously, Roe v. Wade stealing a lot of headlines there. Well, activists are definitely disappointed by this ruling. So how are they going to respond? We spoke to Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America on Blaze Media and also co-host of the Glenn Beck Radio Program. So, Stu, there wasn't as much attention given in the media. Obviously, all eyes were focused on Roe, and and that was by far the big decision uh, to come out of the Supreme Court this time around. But one that's flying under the radar that could have 
some pretty big consequences on how the fight goes on this particular issue in the future, but it was this EPA ruling. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened in the court and what they decided? Yeah, it's, it's important to, I think, keep this in perspective because this one did fly under the radar. And certainly the Roe decision, the overturn, was the most important case, I think, in the session. But this one might actually affect the most people. You know, not everyone's going to get an abortion, thankfully. Uh, this is this is something that affects every single one of us. And it's the idea that there's an, an alternative form of government that has been created by largely the left over the past 50 years or so, which basically built up the administrative state. All of these three-letter agencies that gain all of this power get larger and larger and larger and grow into more and more of our economy and the way we're able to conduct our lives. And what Congress has decided to do is they don't really like getting blamed for all the things that these agencies do. So when they want to regulate you, when they want to control uh, these, these parts of the economy, they write these laws in really vague ways and then leave it to these agencies to decipher what they mean and how to implement them. And when presidents wind up getting into office, like this, in this case it was Barack Obama, and they couldn't get the movement they wanted for new laws from Congress to actually be passed, they just go to these, these agencies and have them reinterpret the previous laws to garner more power. And this works really well if you're on the left, if you want to do it this way. The administrative state can overstep its bounds and get really, really, really big. And if they ever go too, too far and get sued, well, the Supreme Court is always there to back them up and rule their way. This works great until you don't have control of the Supreme Court. So it really kind of backfired on them here well, as soon as they didn't have the power. Now, this goes back to a lot of the Cass Sunstein era where we saw in the Obama presidency, there was a very high focus and a high premium put on these regulations. Is this where some of this shift for the left started back in the Obama administration, or did it go back before that? Well, I think this, this philosophy of government goes back before that. I mean, you know, you could trace it back to Woodrow Wilson, but over a very long period of time, both the left and the right to a much lesser degree have found comfort in this way of doing business, right? It's a lot harder to pass laws. It's hard to, uh, to amend the Constitution. These things are difficult, intentionally so. That's, what, that's how our founders set it up, so that we couldn't be changing laws all the time. We couldn't grab power from the citizen, citizens whenever they wanted to. So it, it was supposed to be a difficult process. That is frustrating for, for uh, people who want to move quickly. And when you want to make that quick amount of progress, you know, it's a lot easier to go to an agency of a bunch of people that you've already appointed and already agree with you and have them look really hard with a magnifying glass and find power that no one ever knew that they had. Uh, and, you know, this is this is uh, this is from uh, from the opinion. But this, I think, sums it up pretty well. When Congress seems slow to solve problems, it may be only natural that those in the executive branch might seek to take matters into their own hands. But the Constitution does not authorize agencies to use pen and phone regulations as substitutes for laws passed by the people's representatives. I mean, pen and phone, they directly called out Barack Obama and his overreach here. And all of we are so used to these agencies running gigantic chunks of our country. We have no idea how far this is going to go, but this should be able to unwind a vast amount of the administrative state. And the message from SCOTUS is clear. If you want to do something, pass a law. Now, the reaction has been interesting, to say the least. 
Uh, there's a headline in The Guardian today, Global Dismay as Supreme Court Ruling Leaves Biden's Climate Policy in Tatters. You're seeing a lot of that echoed. So how are how is the administration responding? How have the activists been responding? I know you follow a lot of them closely. What are the sorts of things they're saying or indicating that they might be doing in the future to respond that now that they've lost in the Supreme Court? Well, the activists seem to be gluing themselves to a lot of things. I don't know why. <laughs> why they're doing that exactly, what that proves about the con They're also blocking a lot of roads. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the activists on this, I, I, don't, I'll, I don't think I'll ever be able to put a finger on exactly what their strategy is here. Annoying people that so they can't get to pick up their kids from school because you've blocked the highway is not a way to win people over to your argument. Um, you know, I think the, the administration is going to continue to try this. I think... You know, one of the, you know, we see this happening in New York with the gun decision and that they got a specific ruling that they couldn't do X, Y, and Z. And so they passed a law that did X, Y, and Z in a slightly different way. And that will eventually get shot down in the courts. This is another way to avoid responsibility for politicians, right? If you continue to go down these roads and they get shot down by the court, you get to blame the court instead of yourself. Uh, you don't have to do anything. You can just say the Supreme Court won't let us do anything. And I think that's a political strategy here. Uh, you know, the, 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 the president does have some power uh, here. Um, and, you know, he can he can do international negotiations. He can try to ratify treaties. Uh, that's going to be really difficult in the Congress, especially right now on this particular issue. Uh, you know, the best thing that can happen here, if you care about climate change, if, you, if you're worried about those things, is to see the uh, the innovations in the market go on and have these things cured because they're better. Right. Like, you know what? A lot of people want to buy Teslas because they're really good cars. They're really fast cars, you know. And yet the one company that the administration won't embrace when it comes to electric cars is Tesla. Here's the number one electric car company in the world. And they constantly uh, berate them as second class and not really helping because they don't align with their union goals. This is the thing. It's really hard to take people seriously that tell you that climate change is the number one idea when, you know, they don't act like it at all. And, you know, they'll, they'll do it. There's, there's a lot of talking going on and they will try more administrative actions. But the fact is the, the, the Supreme Court in a really vitally important decision said you can't go this far. If it's, you know, it's one thing if, if, you, if you have a small decision to be made. You know, if you're going to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, you, do you want Skip? Do you want Jiffy? Uh, maybe the you know, the the uh, the Food and Drug Administration can make that decision on a small type of thing, but you can't change it into a pizza. You can't change it into a turkey dinner, and that's what the EPA is always trying to do. They're taking these tiny regulations and trying to blow them up into economy controlling decisions, and that's what this major decisions doctrine lays out. It says you can't do that if it's a major decision, something that is, is going to affect the economy in a major way. You have to go back and get the legislation to do it, putting more power in the hands of our representative uh, in Washington. And they should be able to go to the people and convince them that their case is the right one, not just go to the Supreme Court and evade all responsibility. Well, this is a multi-layered issue, Stu, and uh, I know that you're following it closely. I appreciate you stopping by to break it down. We could go on for quite some time with this, and we'll definitely have you back on uh, to cover some more areas of this. But you can catch Stu uh, over on The Blaze and on the uh, Stu Does America YouTube channel. Stu, thanks for being here. Anytime, Jeff. Thanks. All right. Well, we have time for just one last thing here, guys. And uh, I'm always up for a good hero story. And 16-year-old Corian Evans fits the bill in Mississippi. 
Uh, he was hanging out with friends, guys, near the near an overpass, and he saw a car filled with teenage girls drive straight down the boat ramp and into the river. And he said the car was like sinking very quickly. And here's his quote. I love his quote here. He just says, um, I was just like, I can't let none of these folks die. They need to get out of the water. So I just started getting them. I wasn't even thinking about nothing else. And then he says, and so then he's getting them out of the car and getting them on top of the car. And he says, I turn around and I see the police officer and he's drowning. He's going underwater, drowning, saying help. So I went over there. And, uh, and then he ends up bringing them all to shore and getting them all there safely. So tremendous action. And I love the quotes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people might not jump in. They might not take that action. They might be afraid. I love that. He's not thinking about anything else other than saving these people. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's great when the adrenaline kicks in and you just know the right thing to do when you get in the water and you do it. So kudos to him yeah. for, for saving these people. Yeah, absolutely. And if, and look, if any one of us ever get in the, in the news for something like this, <laughs> make sure you have as epic a quotes as that young man does there as well. So all right, that is all the time we have for this episode of the Quick Start Podcast. Uh, you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Head on over to cbnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And uh, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. God bless. <laughs>